rather than having a list of diet rules that you're being told to follow and that's what you're using externally to make every food decision, this philosophy really coaches you to listen to your own body and make decisions about how you feel and how you want to feel from all the different foods and movement you're engaging in. Hey, everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting about intuitive eating with Michelle Pilipich. She is a registered dietitian and a hurdler who honestly made (laughs) my day, my week, my month by reaching out to me, coming to the hurdler huddle in person in New York and making it her mission to pitch me about coming on the show. Well, she's on the show today and she's giving us so much of her expertise, again, on the topic of intuitive eating. We talk about what is intuitive eating, what the 10 principles of intuitive eating are, what the benefits of this practice may be, what the downsides can be, and what someone who may be interested in eating more intuitively needs to know. How can they get started and what potential roadblocks or hurdles they may hit along the way. I love this conversation. It is full of really interesting tidbits and so much great insight from Michelle. What I really appreciate about Michelle is that she made a pivot in her life to seek out a profession that really interested her despite originally heading down a different path. That can be a really hard decision, something I think a lot of us can relate to. So I really appreciate her shedding some insight on her process and how she went about seeking out a career as a registered dietitian. Make sure you're following along with the show over on the socials. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Michelle Pilipich. She is a registered dietitian, and we are here to talk all things intuitive eating. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be with you. Okay. We just need to tell a little, we need to have a little exciting moment for you. So Michelle was at the Hurdler Huddle in New York. She let me know in the huddle. She was like, Emily, I dream of coming on hurdle. And this is just one of those examples of going after what you want. Yes. So here's what happened because you probably don't even know this. I had emailed you once before pitching myself for the show prior to the huddle, probably was lost in your inbox. I'm sure you get like thousands of emails. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep going for it. Like I'm just have always been super career driven, very much about just ask for what you want. So 
once you posted about the event and Alec is a friend of mine in my book club, who I know, you know, um, she and I were like, okay, we're going. And I thought, this is my moment. I have to just tell her. <laughs> I have a couple of like big career goals. One was to be on Hurdle. The other is to be on the Today Show. So that one we're still working on. <laughs> okay. Uh, the fact that in the same breath, you were like, my career goals are to be on Emily Abadi's podcast and also to be on the Today Show. Yeah, like, you're up there. You've done it. <laughs> that is very kind of you. I'm so grateful that this thing that I have here is something that makes you excited and humbled that it is a quote unquote career goal for you and amped that we are making it happen today. I'm so, so Michelle, welcome to the show. As I told the hurdlers, as you also identify, yes. you are a registered dietitian. Why don't you give us a little background about how you got into this field before we dive into all things new intuitive eating? Sure. So it's a funny winding story because oh, yes, my, my major in college was actually, I did a double major government and Spanish. So nothing related to nutrition at all. I thought I wanted to work for the UN or work in the white house or do some kind of big government policy type career. And right after I graduated from college, I had an internship in Washington, D.C. on a senator's campaign. I thought, oh, my God, I've made it. And I was absolutely miserable. So I stayed there for a month. I was unpaid working, you know, more than 40 hours a week. I hated it so much and realized I don't want to do what I studied. So I knew that my lovely parents would let me move home and kind of figure things out. So I went back home to New Jersey and was thinking about, okay, if I don't like what I studied, what am I interested in? And I was just always reading food blogs and reading nutrition articles. It was just something that always seemed interesting to me. I had taken one nutrition elective in undergrad, senior spring. I heard it was an easy A and I took the class kind of not thinking about it. Um, we did have a guest lecture from a dietitian. So the seed was planted that, oh, this is a thing. So once I realized I didn't want to pursue government, I started looking into food careers, jobs, internships. And I actually, after networking like crazy, stalking everyone and their mother on LinkedIn, I ended up with an internship at Rachel Ray Magazine. And I thought I wanted to do food media. And that was a really cool experience, had a lot of fun, did a lot of cool things. But I realized I wanted to be working with people more face to face and feeling like I was really helping someone one on one and building a relationship with them. So I talked to some people who were dietitians, figured out what their career was like, what the options were, and what I needed to do to actually go back to school for this. Decided I wanted to do it. So I did all of that, took all the classes, all the science I had avoided for four years in undergrad. I had to go back and do that, applied to grad school. I went to UNC for my master's in nutrition, and here I am. And here you are. So how long have you been practicing and what does your day-to-day -day look like now? Yeah. So I've been a dietitian since 2019. So it's been three years. My first job was actually in a residential eating disorder treatment center. So I was working in a house where people were staying 24-7 for eating disorder treatment. And then I transitioned from that to outpatient. So I still primarily see clients with eating disorders or some level of disordered eating. Um, really, I'm a firm believer that the diagnosis doesn't matter. If something is bothering you to the point where it's disrupting any part of your life, then 
you deserve seeking help. So I see clients one-on-one in my private practice, all virtually via Zoom, like Zoom for healthcare. So a different platform, but same thing. So yeah, I do a lot of client sessions and I'm on social media, creating content there. I have a group program. So I run that and do live group coaching calls with folks as well as interact in that online community and just connecting with other providers, getting to know the the rest of the eating disorder treatment space here in New York. I am in New York City. So it's a lot of different things on any given day. And that's what I really love. I love that. And I really do appreciate your winding story, as you called it, mostly (laughs) because so many people can relate to this idea of feeling a little frustrated and unsure in a specific industry, thinking for so long, okay, this is the thing that I want to do. This is the thing that I want to do. Doing it and being like, you know what? That wasn't what I hoped that it would be. And it takes a lot of bravery, I would say, to admit that to yourself and then course correct. So it's just really exciting and invigorating to hear you speak about the types of things that you are involved in right now and hear that, yes, when you do a little bit of soul searching, there can be happiness on the other side of some of these really difficult decisions. Yeah. Or a lot of soul searching. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of soul searching. So speaking of soul searching and listening to your gut, we are here today to talk about intuitive eating. It is a buzzy phrase to say the least. And a lot of individuals are talking about this right now. I know it is something that you focus on with a lot of your clients. So why don't we kick things off with this discussion with you telling us what is intuitive eating? Give us the 411. It's a great question because you're right. It is becoming such a buzzword and everyone is catching on to the fact that it's trendy. So it's being co-opted in a lot of ways. Um, So it's important to know. Intuitive eating is this framework and philosophy that is based on 10 principles that were outlined and defined by the creators. So they have these principles that include everything from listening to your hunger to accepting your body to gentle nutrition and everything in between, you know, fullness and then diet culture, really rejecting the food police, having permission for all foods. So I do highly recommend reading the book and going to the website to read through the details of those principles. But the short way that I describe it is, and the way that I practice it with my clients is a shift away from the external and towards the internal. So rather than having a list of diet rules that you're being told to follow and that's what you're using externally to make every food decision, this philosophy really coaches you to listen to your own body and make decisions about how you feel and how you want to feel from all the different foods and movement you're engaging in. Going more within. But It's funny when you say that a lot of people listening to this right now might be like, well, when I go within my body right now, my soul is telling me that I should eat, quote unquote, all of these things that aren't actually good for me. So how does that work? That is the number one fear. Yes, absolutely. Um, You might. You probably will. And here's what's different with intuitive eating versus a diet or other health information you typically get. This is really about the long haul. So I always, always encourage people to zoom way out and think about reestablishing a healthy relationship with food for your lifetime. So even though you know, okay, fruits and vegetables are healthy, whole grains are healthy, I don't want to have Pop-Tarts every day, 
even though I'm going to break down the mindset that they're bad and that black and white rigid thinking, um, I still want to prioritize my health. So the way to get to that point of having the natural moderation where you can have a few cookies when you're craving them, but not eat the whole box of Oreos is to short term, maybe eat the whole box of Oreos. And it sounds super scary and counterintuitive, but when you give yourself permission for any type of food, yes, you're going to crave the things you've been restricting because it's that feast or famine mentality. Your body thinks, okay, we're never going to get these again. So might as well have as much as I can get. And as you do what you don't want to do and continue to give yourself those foods, then it's creating this sense of abundance that, okay, these things are actually not going away. Now I have the opportunity to see how they affect me physically and how I feel. And if you eat a box of Oreos every day, you're not going to feel great. And that's when you're able to shift to that intuitive thinking and recognize, okay, I do crave the roasted veggies with the dinner today, and I'm going to have a few Oreos afterwards. Right. So although the beginning of this journey is going to be a little bit windy and maybe a little bit overwhelming with time as you exercise those 10 principles that you cited, it will change and you will learn more about yourself. When I looked at those 10 principles, the one that struck a chord with me, the one that really resonated with me was the idea of challenging the food police, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So there are so many critical voices in the world that are telling us that certain foods are good or bad, kind of like your Oreos example. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that you aren't what you eat. So by challenging the food police and looking at all food on an equal playing field, it allows you to come to your own conclusions about what feels good for you and your body. Absolutely. And to also redefine what healthy means. And this is something I, I talk to my clients about a lot and is a huge part of the lessons in my group program is just thinking about that word healthy, thinking about the definition, because we tend to think about nutrient density as the definition of health. So everyone thinks vegetables, fruits, those foods. But what about recognizing how healthy, positive relationships are? And then the birthday cake that you're sharing with someone to celebrate their birthday becomes healthy because it's contributing to that relationship. So you can really expand that definition and it takes away that good, bad mentality and really just allows a wider view. A wider view. And also, I love the principle about respecting your body, accepting and embracing your body size and shape instead of being angry that you may be in a certain stage or a certain phase that you don't feel totally comfortable in. Accepting how things are and recognizing that you have the power to move forward and determine what happens next. I think that's so, so powerful. And yeah, and that is so much in line with this other buzzworthy phrase, health at every size that kind of lumps in with intuitive eating and a lot of people use together. And it's also often misunderstood because people think it means any person at any weight is healthy. But really what it means goes along with exactly what you're saying that you can in this moment begin pursuing your health without the prerequisite of weight loss. You can just do it however your body is now. Right, right. Okay. So the next question, naturally, aside from listening to your gut, being more in tune with how you actually feel, what are other benefits of intuitive eating? Yes, so many. <laughs> so many. I mean, 
it really does also lead to better physical health. So a hang up can be, oh, what if I have XYZ health condition and I actually do need to lower my cholesterol? When you're practicing intuitive eating, this has been researched and I know the website links different studies. Um, it does help with those lab markers and really objective markers of health because it takes you away from the yo-yo dieting. And when someone's on a diet, it tends to lead to weight cycling. So you might lose whatever amount of weight if you're on a restrictive diet, but we know that diets don't work. And eventually the restriction kind of bounces back and you regain the weight most often, probably all the time. And that cycle of being at a low weight and then a high weight and then just going back and forth is actually worse for your health than maintaining a weight that maybe is in that quote unquote overweight BMI category, even though we don't like BMI, it means nothing. But being at a higher weight and pursuing health through behaviors, which is what intuitive eating does, focuses on that those behaviors, allows you to be so much more sustainable. And the sustainability is what allows your health markers like your mood, your energy, your blood sugar, all of those other things to really level out and stay consistent. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Maybe you're trying to eat keto or paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or really just looking for more balanced meals. Whatever it is that you're doing, Green Chef offers a wide range of recipes to suit your preferences. With Green Chef, you get organic ingredients and sustainably sourced produce so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Plus, it is so convenient and easy. I have been traveling all over the place lately and I love having Green Chef ready for me waiting at home so that I can calm down at the end of the long day and cook myself some delicious good for me meals. And what's great about this is that Green Chef offers pre-made and pre-measured sauces and dressings and spices so you get chef curated flavor in less time. Plus, all of the ingredients are pre-portioned as well. So it's super easy to follow. It's got simple Simple recipes that, again, are delivered right to your door. Literally every single recipe can be ready in 25 minutes or less. Now that is my absolute jam. Head on over to greenchef.com slash hurdle130 and use code hurdle130 to get $130 off plus free shipping today. Again, that is greenchef.com slash hurdle130. Use code hurdle130 to get $130 off today. Also want to give some love to my friends at AG1 from Athletic Greens. First thing I pack on absolutely every trip. I'm sitting here at a desk right now in Santa Monica. I'm traveling for work and I have my coffee to my right and my AG1 to my left. AG1 has 75 whole food sourced ingredients as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. It is my immunity secret, my nutritional powerhouse that helps me feel my best no matter where I am. It is one of my routine staples. No day feels right without it. And honestly, people ask me if I feel any different when I take it. 
Not necessarily these days since it's been in my routine forever, but I notice when I don't. If I don't, I feel lethargic, like I have a little bit of brain fog. For me, AG1 from Athletic Greens is an absolute must for helping me stay on top of my game. Of course, they have a deal for the hurdlers. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get a free year's supply of D3K2 plus five free travel packs at checkout. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get a bunch of freebies, including five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. No code necessary. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the reference you just made to BMI? We don't like BMI because I think that some individuals listening to this might be like, why don't we like BMI? So also BMI, body mass index. What are some of the faux pas surrounding that as a measure of health? Yeah, Emily, I am so glad you asked. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So BMI was created first first issue with it it was created a very long time ago I think like late 1800s early 1900s way out of date by a mathematician and astronomer not even a health professional so that's the number one red flag Um, it's also very much based on white males so not generalizable but the main issue is BMI is simply a ratio of weight and height so it only takes those two factors into account. And those two factors, I would argue, have zero impact on your health. And you might think, oh, but weight has impact on my health. Actually, what has more of an impact on your health are your behaviors that can then lead to a given weight. So I think of this, I'm pretty sure I have a post on Instagram with two different columns. The things that influence your BMI, which are those two items, weight and height, And then the things that influence your health, which are nutrition, hydration, physical activity, stress, sleep, relationships, environment, socioeconomic status, hormones, genetics, like we could go on and on. (laughs) And so none of that is taken into account in the the picture of BMI. So somebody could be engaging in all these healthy behaviors and just genetically be predisposed to a higher weight. And they might be told to lose weight at any cost, which then could damage their health in other ways. Also for athletes, if someone is very muscular, they could be put in an obese BMI category when they're actually just super athletic. So it also doesn't account for body composition. Yeah. And I remember back when there was so much conversation about what the pre-existing conditions were for getting COVID vaccinations. I mm-hmm. had so many friends who maybe for the first time in the years, like check their BMI. And I'm talking about like super active women, super muscular. And we were all cracking up because they were like, I am literally in the ob- obese category. And one would never look at them and be like, wow, lady, like what is going on here? You are totally letting yourself go. Oh my goodness. Of course not. But it was just like, wow, if this is how we are, you know, criticizing or setting the criteria for what is healthy versus what is not, then we certainly have some issues here. So I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we tackled that. Now you highlighted some of the positives of intuitive eating. If you had to get honest and talk to us about what some of the downsides might be, what would you highlight? Ooh, it's hard to think of a downside. I So I'll say the challenges are the short term. 
because of what I talked about with having that sort of, sometimes it ends up um, being binge behaviors or borderline binge behaviors, just increasing your intake of the foods that have been labeled as bad or off limits. There is this rocky middle, and I say rocky because it's rocky mentally and emotionally. It can be really hard on people to feel like, okay, I'm pursuing this thing, but I don't feel healthier. My Maybe their weight is going up to above their set point weight, and it will level out as your behaviors level out, but it's just not something that we're used to. It's not something that people understand that they need to go through this challenging period in order to get to that long-term change. So that tends to be a big challenge for people. And I'll also say just going against the grain because when you are really focused on intuitive eating and making this these changes, pretty much everyone I work with will tell me about how hard it is because their family, their friends, when they're at social gatherings or holidays, nobody gets it. And it's so hard to hear all the opposing diet talk and still do what you want to do. So mentally, it's a battle at the beginning until you reach that point of recognizing, okay, it does really work and it does make me feel better. And then you can tune other people out and live by example and hopefully help them see that you're doing something good for yourself. Right. And, you know, another criticism that I've seen about intuitive eating is that it may be targeted at those who have a certain amount of maybe inherent privilege. So easy access to food or time or maybe even like the mental bandwidth or the agency to focus on eating intuitively, also money. So what do you have to say about that? Right. Absolutely. I mean, that is true. It's so true. If someone is food insecure, can they eat intuitively? No, probably not. That's It's a huge issue. And so I think that speaks to the bigger systemic issue in our country of food insecurity and just the food industry and what we prioritize, how we allocate funds to different resources. So it is a challenge. There are also ways to ways to approach it to try and make it easier for yourself. So when you do tune out the, not even diet culture, but even just wellness culture and recognize it's okay to take shortcuts, it's okay to buy microwavable rice, it's okay to do these things that will make it easier for you to eat the way you want to eat. Sometimes it does come at a higher price point, but sometimes it doesn't. So, um, I mean, I think it's most beneficial always to work with a registered dietitian who can really help personalize to you and your budget and your lifestyle. Um, meal prep is something I also love talking about because it doesn't have to be two hours on a Sunday in your kitchen slaving away, there are ways to make it easier. Um, So I think that there's a a middle ground where it might be more attainable than some people think. And yes, it's absolutely not accessible for everyone. Um, And that is, that is an issue. That is an issue. Okay. So someone's listening to this. They hear the pros, they hear the cons. They think, okay, I want to get started eating more intuitively. The next question how does someone start? Yeah. Um, so definitely don't get ahead of yourself because I will say what most people try to do is start with incorporating the body image piece while they're just starting. And that is a recipe for disaster is a little too extreme, but it's it's going to probably make you very down on yourself because the body image is the most challenging part. So what you want to start with is 
really those those first few principles permission for all foods ignoring the food police like changing your mindset and mentality so i would recommend getting the book reading the book intuitive eating even if you don't want to read a whole book there's an intuitive eating workbook that you can find on amazon and that has a lot of great exercises I mean, of course, shameless plug, my group program really (laughs) starts off with going through the mindset piece and has a lot of worksheets and exercises. So examining the mindset is number one. I would say, look at the content you're taking in, maybe do a clean out of your social media feed, see if you're getting these intuitive eating messages so that you can start to shift your mentality away from the black and white. And that openness is really where you want to start. All right. That's a great place to start. And I love also the idea that there are other people that are going through this journey as well, and you don't need to pay to access them. You know, something great about social media is I'm sure that other people that are on a similar journey are using hashtags. Like even if you just look for the hashtag intuitive eating, you'll find other people that are on this similar journey. So seek out community and find support, whether that is online or if you are finding it really challenging at first, and this is something that you really do want to pursue, there are those really great resources like the ones that you outlined. Mm -hmm. You can also like if you find someone on Instagram, let's say who is a really great resource for you, look at the suggested people um, to follow if you follow them, because there definitely are people misusing the hashtag. So keep your eyes and ears open. But yeah, it's all a great place to start. Yeah, that's a really good point. Make sure that as you're looking at information out there that you're doing your own little audit to kind of Mm -hmm. gut check if this is something that's coming from a reliable source. If you are seeking experts that are talking about intuitive eating, make sure they are nutritionists, registered dietitians, individuals who have gone through appropriate training and have the knowledge to talk about the topic in a safe and functional way. Absolutely. So much good information here about intuitive eating. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you feel like would be helpful for those that are really excited about the possibility of approaching their diet this way? Ooh, what have we not touched on? I mean, I think we touched on a lot of it. Really starting to seek out those resources and doing kind of an audit of yourself and your behaviors. So it can't hurt to go through your day and check in with what are my intentions for the things I'm doing? Are there sneaky rules popping up? So that's something that I think can be really helpful for people is starting off with literally a list of what are the foods I'm labeling as bad? What are the behaviors I'm taking for my health and nutrition that are pretty rule based that would feel bad if I were to not do them and just check in to see what am I actually tackling here? Like what are my targets and goals with pursuing this process? So you have clarity for yourself as an individual. Right. I love that idea of finding your why and making sure that this is something that you want to approach because you genuinely want to approach it, not just because, as we said at the top of this, intuitive eating, being super buzzy, something that a lot of individuals are talking about on the socials. So doing a gut check coming back to your foundation and moving forward from there. Michelle, I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, help you check off this big bucket list moment for you. Tell us, the hurdlers, how they can keep up with you, how they can follow along with you for more tips and tricks as they go through their journey. 
Of course. Well, I am so, so thankful to you for having me. Anyone can follow along on Instagram. I am at Michelle Pilipich Nutrition. My website is michellepilipich.com. And I think pretty much everything is linked from there. And I told you briefly, you get the exclusive that there is very likely a podcast from yours truly coming soon. So follow (laughs) on Instagram for those updates. And hopefully that's in the works. Follow on Instagram for the updates. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.